This episode is sponsored by Auxilio Partners, building the legal, business, and technology infrastructure for church plants. Find out how at auxilio.partners slash five points. Welcome back to the Five Points Church Planning Podcast. We're so grateful for everyone who listens. We're also thankful for the questions that we receive by email. It's good to interact, and we appreciate the not only the comments, but the suggestions. And one suggestion that we received several months ago was a request to hear from a church planner from New England. And so your wish is our co- Man, that's how we roll with the Five Points Church Planning Podcast. We are talking to Troy Alby this morning with Grace Presbyterian Church in the South Shore area, a suburb of Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, we are huddled inside in the air conditioning because the real fill is going to be over 100 in Louisiana and in Memphis today. But, but Troy is outside and it looks delightful as we <laughs> talk to him. Over Zoom, so I'm jealous. <laughs> Troy, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for the opportunity, guys. I love talking about church planting, and I love talking about uh, New England. Uh, as you can tell from my accent, uh, well, at least most people around here, uh, I'm not from uh, New England originally, but I am checking the weather today, and uh, we're still in the 60s here. And uh, I think when I went running this morning, it was about you know good 61 degrees outside. It was quite pleasant. So. Oh, wow. <clears throat> Sorry for the wind in the background, the... if you guys can uh, he- hear the breeze. I'd Man, like to change just... the subject if we can. That'd be great. Yeah, that's absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, Troy, again, we're so thankful that you have joined us. We met at Reformed Theological Seminary in Orlando. I quickly realized that Troy was a scholar extraordinaire, and I needed to hook my wagon to him in order to survive seminary. Um, I was coming right out of law school, and I had no idea what I was doing, and I asked him so many questions that at some point, I'm sure he thought, what is this guy doing here? Why is he? Um, why does he think he belongs in seminary? I think the one reason that Troy liked spending time with me is because we probably had the most pronounced Southern accents um, at RTS in Orlando. <laughs> uh, we we, we, we we were attracted. Uh, our the relationship was formed, I think, because of that. But uh, Troy, tell us a little bit about your journey from seminary to church planning in the Boston area. Sure, sure. I mean, there's obviously some backstory even building up to that that I think you know just was in the mix. You and I both in seminary, um, you know, you can point to different people, uh, influences, voices along the way. Obviously, for many of us uh, who had classes with Steve Childers. Um, at right. RTS Orlando was just fantastic. He would teach on evangelism and missions and church planting. And, uh, you know, that just really got a lot of my creative juices. And I was, you know, you wonder why you were in seminary. I wonder why I was there at times. And I was definitely one of the youngest guys there and, um, and didn't even know what church planting exactly was, but I, I did know that I loved the church. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I think growing up in the church was kind of the first, big piece of feeling a sense of call to church planting. So uh, going back to the question of being like, how did I end up in church planting? Um, there were things prior to seminary. There are obviously a lot of things post-seminary that contributed to that. 
I think biggest piece growing up in a solid, you know, godly home. My parents love Jesus, love the local church, serve, continue to serve to this very day. I grew up in a Southern Baptist church in Western North Carolina in Asheville, and I heard the gospel. And uh, I, that was the church was a place that um, people loved me, uh, you know, cared for me. I could tell they were sincere in their love for Jesus. And uh, I heard the gospel clearly proclaimed and, and 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 from an early age wanted to follow Christ. And even in middle school, our church was big on evangelism. I tell people I grew up Southern Baptist, so I prayed to receive Christ early and often. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I, I wanted other people to know Jesus and I wanted to engage and have conversations about it. So even from as early as middle school, uh, I could see that God, um, you know, gave me a heart for evangelism and conversations all throughout the public high school that I grew up in, a uh, secular college. I went to Furman and um, and had a wonderful experience there because of campus outreach, which was kind of immediately feeling like this is my tribe. These are my like-minded people. These guys care about uh, intentional relationships, evangelism, missions. And uh, and then this new thing, you know, of, of reform theology uh, for me. Uh, but when I went straight to seminary right after uh, college, it was there that I felt like church planning was a new, I think I mentioned Steve Childers, who was a professor there, and Steve and others that were influences in my life at the time, like Terry Trailer, a uh, wonderful church planter and leader who went on to be with the Lord um, in his 60s, a great a great mentor and encouragement to me. And I could point to several different people and, and influences um, along the lines of Randy Pope, even, who I, I just saw at the General Assembly. Uh, from the Atlanta area, his son and I were very close friends in college. And just hearing the stories and seeing people's bold steps of faith to do evangelism, church planting represented to me kind of a convergence of all the things that I really enjoyed, which was uh, evangelism, uh, the local church, and kind of entrepreneurial type endeavors. So that's where the, the mm -hmm. seed was. But here I am, you know, 20, at the time I met, you know, Hunter and other guys in seminary, I'm like, 24, 25, uh, you know, I'm not married, uh, you know, I, I really don't, you know, I, there's no pathway for me to pursue church planting right away. So I, so I did, uh, I, I had a, a little bit different journey. I, I knew that uh, I needed to get experience in ministry and, and God provided that. So, Troy, what led you to, to New England to plant? Well, I had already served as a assistant or associate in two larger PCA churches in Greenville, South Carolina. And then uh, at uh, a place called the Church of the Good Shepherd in uh, Durham Chapel Hill area. And in each of those times, I felt, you know, this is, you know, this is preparatory. I wanted to learn more about pastoral leadership and, count, you know, pastoral counseling and, and how to do elder training and how to run a meeting. And there were just elements of just my own growth that needed to take place. But in the course of that, my wife and I, we had met uh, at the first ever 2002 uh the PCA had a big global missions conference with Mission to the World in Atlanta, and uh, we, we met and and hit it off. And um, she had a heart for for missions, and and I did too. And I was helping kind of facilitate that uh, at our local church at uh, Mitchell Road Perez in Greenville, South Carolina. And in the in the course of that, feeling like wow, you know, every time we would lead a short term missions trip, every time that we would, you know, I had all these interconnected relationships with friends and people that I knew. My own in laws, Krista's family, were. Uh, missionaries in the Czech Republic. Um, mm. So every place that we went, I just kept, you know, thinking, praying, Lord, if this is the, this is the place, you know, that you want us to go and serve, then, you know, laid on our heart and open doors and bring confirmation. Well, he just never did. 
um, until, you know, partway through our time in North Carolina at Church of the Good Shepherd. And I just started learning about other parts of the country and feeling a sense of calling to a place underserved by gospel witness. I had friends in Utah, I had friends in the D.C. area. We went through uh, our denomination, the PCA's assessment center, to discern if church planting was a good fit. And in the course of that, we met some folks from Boston that were at that time part of a, a newly formed church planting network. I'd never been to New England. Um, come to find out in my time here, I've got a bunch of family going way, way back. All of my neighbors and, and friends in the community make fun of me because of my accent. And uh, I'm like, you guys are all Italian. And you co- this is ridiculous. You guys are all Italian and Irish. You know, my, my family was here like my 11th great grandfather landed in, uh, you know, in, in Braintree, Mass, uh, Massachusetts, right. just up the road. So, you know, my family's been here a lot longer than uh, than yours has. Uh, but we we began to pray and we were recruited to come and just consider uh, the, the greater Boston area with this church planting network. And so right. that began the process. We, Chris and I were praying and uh, she and I both had just a sense of, of affinity and calling to, uh, to, to New England uh, for, I think for a variety of reasons, some of them are even selfish, perhaps, like I mentioned, I, you know, I love snow skiing. I, I enjoy the, I enjoy <laughs> boats and, 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 hi- mm-hmm. and history in the coast, the coastline of, of, uh, of, of New England is, is gorgeous in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. When, when we were coming back from the, the mission field and, and, uh, thinking about, you know, where the Lord was calling us. Uh, we actually looked into the Boston area as well. I told you that, uh, all fair before we started, uh, we actually looked into that network that you're connected with up there and other things. And, and one of the advices, you know, one of the pieces of advice they gave us that might benefit some of our listeners considering church planning is exactly what you just said. Sometimes there's a host of things that go into discerning call. And, and some of that actually is just what are places you already love that you have to have a heart for the place you, you know, you're going to serve and invest your life. And um, sometimes it is just a matter of looking up and just saying, uh, you know, it's a selfish, just saying, I love snow skiing. I love certain aspects of it. If I'm going to go be somewhere, uh, I, I want to be able to invest myself there. It's not, not everything is, uh, you know, taking whips on the, on the, <laughs> on the back oh, to, totally. to, to suffer for it. So that's a, that's a good word, uh, in that regard. Yeah. If you don't like seafood, if you don't like seafood, you know, you're probably not supposed to come to New England, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I would say along those lines, even how God directs through our family and our spouse that, you know, when 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 they said, hey, would you consider the Boston area? Um, You know, we were kind of looking, they said, you know, you could probably pick just about any spot because you're not going to bump into any gospel witness. And and my wife, Krista. Uh, who who's truly amazing and a, and a great partner in this in ho- this whole endeavor? You know, she looked at me and she just said, "Troy, I, I cannot parallel park a minivan." And so we just kind of <laughs> we just kind of said, "We're not going to do." You know, every this this guy named Tim Keller is really big into urban church planting, but you know, my wife says she can't parallel park a minivan, so we're not going to do urban <laughs> density. You know, right? And, and, yeah. and where that's we are, the, that's the leading of the Holy Spirit, right there. <laughs> it, it's right. It's right. That, that's that, that voice sounds a lot like my wife. So that was part of, yeah. you know, we when we began to research the area, though the Greater Boston area, um, yeah, lots of folks, not lots, but enough were Southern Baptist guys, Acts twenty nine, uh, our PCA Church Planning Network. We're we're trying to focus in and, and recruit more guys to Boston, but so many ended up kind of inside of the more urban dense, you know, neighborhoods, mm-hmm. right, right in the Boston proper area. Whereas we are, you know, halfway between the city and Cape Cod, we're in Plymouth County, half a million people here. And they had said to us, Hey, we know of three families that are meeting in a Bible study 
that are interested in maybe having a gospel-centered church. Can mm-hmm. we introduce you to them? And that's when the ball started rolling. I, I began research in the area. I mean, Plymouth County, where we are in our particular neck of the woods in the south shore of Boston, is, you know, 40% of households have children living in them under the age of 18. Um, various things, you know, the, the, the things that they're interested in, the questions they're asking, I you know, the, the life struggles that they have, they were similar to ours. And so we we met these three families and we hit it off and their sense of heart for the community and hospitality and evangelism and having the simplicity of a church uh, that's centered on the gospel and has pieces of, of uh, you know, uh, what I think are, are a healthy church uh, with accountability and, and such. They were they were on board. So that's when we began to raise funds to to relocate to come to come up here and uh, our church at uh, in North Carolina, uh, which was a huge investor and and gave you know their blessing and a, and a great deal of, of of funds and so we began that process and um, of of raising money to to relocate and move up here and that would have been in the fall of 2010 so that is now 13 years ago. You're there for 13 years now. Um, you've uh, you've you've settled in. You've uh, I guess you've particularized now as a church. I'm assuming. Um, so you've been there now for 13 years. You've interacted with church planners uh, around the U.S. Um, how do, what do you think might be some of the differences uh, that you have faced there, planning in, in the New England area, as opposed to maybe other parts of the of the U.S.? That's a great question, and and I have given thought to it. I mean, the, the most obvious would be that it's slower. Um, I, in some ways it's actually slower yet simultaneously, um, easier, um, in communication. And I know that sounds a little weird, but, um, you know, I always joke with people, you know, it's, uh, you know, uh, overnight in the South in certain pockets, you could conceivably have 150 people because of Joe and Susie disgruntled member from down the street. And, you know, this, this other family that's, that's, that's transferred over. Um, you know, you're just not going to see that uh, as, as often in New England. Now, God obviously mercifully provides for people that, you know, transfer in or, you know, a job placement has them right in your you know, backyard and they are eager to use their gifts and help out a local church. So it has been slower, uh, but it has been easier to do evangelism here, at least for me, because it just seems very black and white. I mean, I talk to people, um, you know, on a regular basis, you know, I always joke with people in the South, you would say, and other parts of the country, you might say, well, you know, are you a Christian? And people would look at you kind of sideways, like, what, what, you know, what do you mean? I'm not a Jew or a Muslim. Of course I'm a Christian. Right. Sure. Um, yeah. Whereas up here, you know, whereas up here, they would say like in the city, like in Cambridge, you know, obviously very progressive and, you know, different landscape there, even um, just up the road in Boston and Cambridge area, you know, they may say, uh, of course I'm not, because I'm, I'm, I'm not dumb. You know, I'm not a Christian, <laughs> right. you know, like there, you know, there is no God. That's a relevant question. That's, that's silly. But where I am, they would typically say, um, they would either say, no, I'm not. Or they would say, I'm Catholic. They'd say, I'm not a mm-hmm. Christian. I'm a Catholic. Mm-hmm. And about, mm-hmm. it, I mean, the landscape of New England, and this is, you know, going back to the question of whether we sense the call to the mission field, only to discover in the process of trying to cast a vision uh, to raise support and to and recruit my friends. I mean, the number of people I tried to recruit to move up here uh, is a long, long list, and and uh, nobody took me up on it. But uh, um, you know, hey, move here, get a job, be a part of our, be a part of our team, a part of our church plant. I mean, 
New England is about 2%, um, give or take 2%, 3% evangelical. So, you know, when I would try to cast vision, I'd talk to, you know, potential supporters or a missions committee to church. You know, I would, I would customarily highlight that, um, you know, I would, I would even put up a slide that have a picture of the globe and they'd say, I'd put up countries like Uganda or, you know, South Africa or Singapore or, you know, I would list, you know, different South American countries and say, what all these countries have in common? Uh, well, not a lot, except all of them have a higher concentration of evangelicals than New England. So yeah. I think here I feel like I can, I can say to my neighbors, do you believe God loves you? The, the friendships and relations I've built. And, and they look at me and they say, you know, I sure hope so. Uh, I've done a lot of good things in my life and I've done a lot of bad things. And I hope the good things outweigh the bad things. Whereas in, in other parts of the country, they would go on this, this, this whole, they would have all the vocabulary. They talk about how they, they went to, you know, vacation Bible school, at such, such a church. And they talk about their cousin and their uncle's brother, who's a deacon. And they'd have all these church stories. And you just feel like, where do I even go from here? Sometimes I, I feel for guys that I, sometimes that you have to navigate all of that noise when I sometimes have like a clear panel, you know, clear path. But I look at people and I say, I'm a right. sinner and I need a savior. And you are too. <laughs> and they're, they're like, what? And yet it's black. It's yeah. more, it's, it's more stark and black and white. So those are a few differences mm-hmm. just in interpersonal mm-hmm. connections and relationships with evangelism. As a planter in new England, what has been your biggest encouragement over the last 13 years with grace press? I would say it really is seeing people come to faith and be enfolded into a church. And, you know, our church is only, I mean, if everybody came, I mean, I tell people if you're in New England and you have a church of 300, that's a mega church. So I figure we're about halfway there. Uh, right. I look around and, and um, you know, I mean, uh, I look around and I see the stories of people whose lives have re- really been changed. Um folks that came to our church because of the prompting of God's spirit or the invitation of somebody and marriages that have been truly transformed. Uh, people who, who most of those I, I can think of, you know, some of them grew up, you know, secular liberal Jews, others grew up in a, uh, you know, a Roman Catholic household or, or whatever. And seeing some of those, seeing some of those people whose lives have really been changed and they actually brought, you know, like we didn't have any like established, uh, you know, we didn't have any established officers or leaders or folks. We had people that had some experience in the church that God had brought in. But many of the leaders in our church, um, you know, I've been able to kind of watch them grow from a baby, you know, Christian. And 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 so in that and that's another difference going back to the question about differences. Like when people come to our church, like what's their view of, you know, what's their what's their view of of ministry and philosophy of ministry in the church or whatever? It's like they're not coming with a lot of preconceived notions. Well, at my last church, this is how we did this program, and we have to do that here. More and more people at our yeah. church, we don't argue about music. We don't argue about programs, uh, mm. philosophies. We're, it's, it, there's, a, there's an ability to keep things very simple. You know, uh, you know, Troy, I, I, one of the things that our listeners you know, don't know, but I think it might be good to, to – there's just a lot of conversation in church planning circles um, today about just the – the need for bivocational, you know, church planting and, and ministry, uh, as we, as this, you know, our age continues to, <laughs> to, 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 to spiral, uh, downward, uh, in the way that, it, that it is. And, 
you have been there for 13 years now and have been in some ways working by vocationally, um, both raise support mm-hmm. as a conventional church planner, but also um, kind of pursued some entre- entrepreneurial uh, ventures on the side uh, as you were planting as well. Could you talk to you know our listeners just a little bit about what that experience has been like for you and, and maybe what you have learned as you have done that? Yeah, no, that's a good question. And I, and I honestly, someone else recently asked me to come and uh, two people recently asked me to come and share just about that very dynamic. Um, and it's something that I haven't given a great deal of thought to because I more or less stumbled into it, although it it is it has grown. But to rewind, you know, even back in our, our days in North Carolina, there were times that, you know, I, I you know, felt, I, you know, I, you know, I had emergency C-section. I got to come up with some money. You know, and and uh, I, I need to pay my bills, and uh, I was trying to keep Krista, uh, my wife, you know, from having to work outside the home for for many of those years of our children's youngest, you know, developmental years. And I I remember like that's back in '06, going all the way back to to uh, to the early days of Craigslist. I used to love flipping stuff on Craigslist. I don't know about you, but I mean, I would buy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would buy I would buy cars, I would buy appliances, boats, like anything, just as a hobby. I don't watch a whole lot of TV and uh, I don't play golf and I don't watch sports. So I was like I was having all all this fun like flipping stuff and like meeting people and and uh kind of building some different networks when we live in North Carolina. When we moved up here, it was just so intense. So I'd always thought about maybe like some kind of side hustle. You know, it's flipping cars was one that I was somewhat interested in. And I did quite a bit of it in uh, North Carolina, but I, you know, all hands on deck. First three years of church planning, just super intense, uh, trying to uh, be intentional with people, do hospitality all the time, you know, just gathering, organizing, recruiting, fundraising, all those things. By about three or four years in, I I certainly wasn't bored. Okay. But I I was, I was Mm -hmm. intrigued and thinking about how can I pay for things like, um, you know, I, how can I provide some for my family and, um, and put some money, maybe even in savings? I don't know. Uh, you know, and I wouldn't say I prayed with it in earnest, but one day I got in a car accident and I needed, a, uh, and it was because the, a postal uh, person cut me off and I ended up, uh, you know, doing what I always do. I go on Craigslist, find a car and I, this car didn't have but one key. It was an old Honda. It was just an old beater civic. And I realized that, um, in calling the dealership, that it was so expensive to get a car key. And I thought, man, there's got to be a better way around this. And I ended up um, I, I ended up finding a guy through several hardware stores, and I found a guy way over somewhere that did it. And I thought, man, this is – I found out how you know, the, the parts were. I found a hardware store in the North Shore of Boston that was closing. And I went and bought – I thought my wife, and I said, we got a little bit of money for our tax return. Do you mind if I start a business and um, with it? And she goes, okay. And uh, and I went up to the North Shore and bought this equipment. I, I started a business being uh, a locksmith. And we should do that out of the hmm. church office initially. I started it, and the church has a, a little office that we rent above an Italian restaurant, and uh, and which is nice. You know, my, my whole library is going to smell like garlic when I get out of here someday. But uh, <laughs> right in one of those alcoves, set up some of these key machines and uh, began doing it. And and. Uh, along the way, I began to meet people and build relationships. I, I, I made money. I lost money. I, you know, but the cool thing was, is that I did had all of these opportunities sharing the gospel that I didn't have prior. People would come into my mm-hmm. office, sit down, and they would look around. They go, well, "You don't need this many books to cut keys, do you?" And I'm like, <laughs> "No, no, no. Like, what do you really 
they'd see all these, like, you know, like I have a whole rack of CCEF, you know, counseling booklets and people would say, can I, yeah. can, can I, can I, can I take one of those? I'm like, absolutely. Here's, here's a copy of the gospel of Luke, you know, and I got to yeah. visit with people. And then I ended up, the, the business ended up growing and I, the guy, I, I ended up getting a mobile truck van and I recruited another guy to bring on as a partner. And, and now he and I've expanded the company. It's called South Shore Lock and Key. And uh, we've got some other guys that we've recruited and, and trained. And so, you know, it's a, it's a full orb company that I, I, I can't do but part time uh, now. But I just, you know, I can see God's hand in how relationships converged. And, and, and it's given me some legitimacy with businessmen in the community. It's given me some natural inroads. I have a whole network of guys who are small business owners, uh, mechanics, technicians, guys who own, you know, car lots. And, uh, and, and that's primarily what we do, not exclusively, but we, we have, you know, multiple trucks that go around and, uh, and we do keys, you know, on site, you know, we even pick locks and, and, and generate keys from scratch. And I just enjoyed learning and I had, a, I had a lot of fun with it. And I, it's given me um, the abundance of opportunities that I've had for relationship and evangelism. I've been able to, uh, we even, I, I met a woman and I, and my wife and I ended up leading her to faith in Christ and baptized her. Um, and there's been others that have ended up enfolded into our church because of, of having this, this, uh, this side business, which I, which I've really enjoyed. So Troy, how did you, as that unfolded and as the church grew, how did you balance that bivocational role in some sense with being yeah. a church planter, a guy that's having to raise support and a pastor as well yeah. as a father and a husband. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I didn't always handle it well and we were granted, um, we, we did, we did eventually after about four, four or five years, we had, um, you know, God had provided some leadership and we finally were able to have a couple of elders and a couple of deacons. And they, you know, they suggested after seven years that I take a sabbatical, which at that point I'd been in ministry for 15 years um, and, and not really taken any time away. And that was a huge gift, but it, it meant that my life kind of, I, I just had to, I had to really ask some hard questions. And it was at the close of that summer where we had gotten three or four months to pull away from ministry. Um, I learned a couple of things. One is I learned that our church had loved really well on my family because my kids didn't want to go visit any other churches. Now, granted, we went on that sabbatical and visited family, but our kids kept saying, we just want to go to our church. And it meant the world to me that our church had left such an impression that they really wanted to be around people that they knew and, and knew loved them. I also learned that I couldn't mm -hmm. keep going with the key business um, because it was just becoming, uh, it was, it was, it was, it was consuming a great deal of time and energy and so I began to pray and, and, and that, that I did begin to pray in great earnest that God would either help me learn, learn a fashion or, or pathway to um, kill off some business and restructure it or recruit a guy and, um, and expand. And, and God provided that door amazingly with a guy named uh, Paul and his last name is Troy, ironically. <laughs> and, uh, and he and his <laughs> wife have become like an aunt and uncle to our kids. And, and I, I've given him shares of, of, of the corporation and we're, we're, we're partners now. And, um, so I, I had to, I had to, I had to pull away and restructure some things, but, but God blessed it by providing, you know, a good teammate to help that 
continue to grow. But I, I do think that, you know, just the, the value of having this has been, if you can manage to get, a lot of it was flexible enough that I could move things around and not feel like I've got to be, you know, in front of, you know, you know how it is with, with certain jobs, like there's just certain hours and certain windows and I could, I could creatively move some things around, but then it reached a point when I just, I couldn't. And that's when God provided, um, you know, a partner to help. Mm. And he provided other people, you know, like, I, you know, folks that were helpful and we had some part-time staff come on at the church around the same time. There were, there were other pieces that were, that were instrumental in helping me kind of manage some of that. And I haven't always, you know, my wife is, my wife, Chris has taken, you know, um, you know, has made huge, significant sacrifices, um, with, with, you know, just time and, and energy. And she knows that I, I want to serve and I want to connect with our, you know, our presbytery and mentoring guys in our network. And she's freed me up to do, you know, a, a host, a whole variety of things that have at times been very life-giving and at times very taxing, um, you know, and painful. Uh, Troy, that's, that's all really, uh, so helpful. Um, uh, I've, there's been a lot of, we've, I've been having a lot of conversations with folks just around the idea of, you know, bivocational church planting, the, uh, and the potential necessity of that in the years to come. So, so great to hear your story. Um, you know, as we're kind of wrapping up our, our time together today, um, we do a lot of nuts and bolts and, and want to give people some insight into experiences in different places and, and some of the tangible realities of church planting, but sometimes we forget just to hear, just you know, stories of God's faithfulness uh, in the in the work that He's doing around the world. And I wonder if if there's one or two kind of stories that come to mind for you that ha- have just stand out to you of just how the Lord has been faithful to you through the individuals that He's uh, allowed you to have impact on, or that ch- your church to have impact on in that area. Maybe just a, one or two that would have been especially encouraging to you that might encourage our listeners as they're uh, they're participating in their particular works around the around the uh, around the world friend of mine, mentor, who I had a chance to see this summer. He was down in Memphis, David Bowen. He used to say, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. And uh, that's a principle that I've kind of hung on to. And, 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 and the way that I apply it is, if it's something like a prayer meeting, even if it, even if it seems disheveled and um, it seems like nobody wants to come and it's poorly, you know, the participant, you know, the participation is kind of low, it's still worth doing. And we really set that in place. And we began to list names of people to pray for in that prayer meeting. And and one of the one of the great things post-pandemic has been that we, we've gotten more participation in a prayer meeting because of things like Zoom. Um, more people will come out and we, we have a, a weekly prayer meeting. But even prior to that, we had a monthly prayer meeting when we would really work through specific names. I um, befriended a guy, uh, and his name is, is Dwayne. Dwayne's a firefighter, grew up in Brooklyn. Um, and, um, and he ended up in our area because of, um, uh, because of work and, and he drifted from the Lord and he'd come back to Christ, uh, wanted to take his faith seriously, get involved with the church. And he told me his story. He was, he was a father. He's married to a a wonderful wife of, of just, I think at that point, maybe year or two and, and we we knew that she wasn't yet a follower of christ and uh and his little daughter she grew he said can i can i bring maya our daughter to church and so she was like sure zara's wife's like that that's fine but uh more and more that he would come and she would come home and be singing uh songs and and reading you know scripture or the children's bible and 
it was just you could see that you know we just began as a, as a as a family a church family praying with intentionality for different people in our congregation spouses who are not yet walking with Christ and and Zara was one of them so we began praying years ago probably 5 years ago for Zara well about 2 years ago she started coming with her daughter and her husband and uh, more and more now mind you she grew up in London and in New York uh, father's a Muslim. Her, uh, she's a public school teacher. She, you know, she, um, uh, you know, never been baptized, not been a part of any kind of church church. She started coming more and more and she was asking questions and she would want to meet with me. And then finally we said, we, you know, your husband would like to get your daughter baptized. Is that okay? And, and eventually she said, I've never felt so welcomed in a church. And I, I feel like sometimes when I come that God is speaking to me. And I said, well, let's 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 keep talking. Let's open up the scriptures. I met with her on a regular basis. She came to our membership class. I remember reading Luke 15 in my living room, and I looked over, and I just knew that God's spirit was was stirring for her. The look on her countenance. Uh, make a long story short, one day in my office, she just said, I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't even know why we're friends. You know, here I am, this you know, uh, woman of color who went to Wellesley and you know, you're this Southern conservative Christian, um, you know, I, what, what, and, and she says, and I don't explain it. I, I love you. I respect you. Um, and I want to follow Jesus. And uh, I want to be, we've been talking about my daughter getting baptized. I want to be baptized. Hmm. And, and I remember just feeling so overwhelmed with joy. And um, I, I reached out to her husband. He had actually swung by the office and picked her up. Uh, and I text him later. He says, you don't even know that I just rejoiced that God's at work. And he, the guys answer these prayers that she's, she's, she's wanting to follow Jesus. And, and he says, you only, you know, you don't, you don't even know, like I, I've been praying for this. Our church has been praying and I was downstairs last night. My daughter, I could hear my wife upstairs, giving our daughter a bath, getting ready for bed. And the, the music was playing and I couldn't help but uh, overhear my wife singing upstairs. Great is thy faithfulness. Mm. And he turned, he said, I turned off the TV and I fell on my knees and I began to worship and praise God with great thanks. Well, just this past Mother's Day, a few months ago, uh, Zara and her daughter Maya were both baptized at our church. And Zara gave a 10 minute testimony of how God had worked in her life. Her father was there, her mother, um, other other folks in our congregation who are other folks in our congregation who are, um, you know, not, not yet followers of Christ. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really felt like that day. And then the following Lord's Day, when I was able to give Zara the Lord's Supper for the first time. Yeah, I, you could have just taken me home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My heart mm-hmm. was was full, you know, and I think about all the times that I've been deeply discouraged, um, yeah. Yeah. overwhelmed, um, feeling, you know, uh, misunderstood, rejected. Um, tired of leadership, and then there's plenty of people, whether you're in church planning or not, you know, to be in vocational uh, ministry and to lead and to have to make decisions and pursue people and show grace and all those things, you know, you get weary. Um, mm-hmm. you, you can get really weary and and cynical. And Chris and I are, are even praying through that right now, like, you know, God just protect us from feeling, you know, um, jaded and cynical. Yeah. And so, stories like that, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, I live to see that multiplied and I can tell you about three, four other ones, just, you know, very similar to that. 
that um, have been very life giving for our church. And 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 so yeah, I I, I give God the praise uh, for for these things because His His Spirit has been, you know, been been working. Troy, if someone wants to get in touch with you, they have friends in the Boston area, um, they have questions. How would they get in touch with you? Yeah, I'd love to chat. I'd love to chat about um, really anything like discerning your call in ministry, whether or not that's church planting. Uh, I've been able to do that with a number of guys and just trying to coach through how do you think about the call of ministry. And I, I, I would love to talk about that. As far as the bivocation ministry, same thing, evangelism, New England. Um, you know, I, I, I love, love to, to chat. You can email me at Troy at Grace South Shore. Um, dot org um you know even just just go to our website but but my email is troy at grace south shore dot org and I, I would i would count it a privilege to to chat or try to be a resource or encouragement to anyone in any way i can mm-hmm. we need more guys to go we need more people to go into church planting and preaching the gospel uh and and staying in it we really do and i know the enemy is thick that was one of the things i learned about new england too that uh, you know, in the South, people feel like their enemies, that guy halfway down the street that has a slightly different view of sanctification than I do uh, here, <laughs> you know, you know, like, like, like here, like, well, and you get to, you get to think, you know, there's tons of people that think like me, but all you have is like this little, like theological cul-de-sac and up here, I, you know, I've built all kinds of friendships speak with, with people that I wouldn't have otherwise, maybe mm-hmm. because I, we have a common enemy and, and, and it, 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 it's, it's, it's the father of lies. And he's got a pretty sweet gig going on up here, and he's got he, he's he's gaining ground. You could argue in in other pockets of American Western culture, yeah. and and we're we're in a battle. You know, as Piper says, you know, life is war. That's not all all it is, but it is always that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like being in New England has given me a keen awareness of the the landscape of spiritual warfare. Um, and so, if others would love like to talk about that too. And just what does it mean to stay, to try to to persevere in ministry amidst some of that spiritual attack? That would be another, you know, topic I'd love to to try to help people with. Yeah, that's great. Well, Troy, thank you so much for joining us, hopping on this podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, very encouraging to me, and very very thankful for you and your ministry. Thanks, brother. Yeah, thank you, Troy. God bless. That's the last word for now. Thanks to you for joining us and listening today. You can reach us with comments or questions on Twitter or Facebook at Five Points Planting or by email at reformedplanting at gmail.com. See y'all next time. Five Points Church Planting is a member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters.